words, the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. And the blood of Jesus is powerful in this house this morning. Amen. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about the miracle of deliverance. The miracle of deliverance. And I pray that God will intervene in the hearts and lives of people in this room today, that anyone who is bound by the enemy, that before you leave this place today, you will be free. And he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Now, I have a lot of people ask me over the years as a pastor, they say, Pastor, what is it that the church needs more of? Does the church need more deliverance or does the church need more discipleship? And my answer to that question is always the same. Yes. We need more deliverance and we need more discipleship. I like what Jack Hayford said, and I've shared this with you before during our Freedom Series. Jack Hayford says... That you cannot disciple a demon, neither can you cast out the flesh. You know, the flesh is something that has to be disciplined. The flesh is something that has to be discipled. The flesh is something that has to submit control over to the Holy Spirit, be led by the Holy Spirit. But demons now, they got to be cast out. So do we need deliverance or discipleship? Yes, we need both. We need both deliverance because let's face it, there's some folks who have some unclean demonic spirits that they've opened doors to in their life and they need to be delivered. Those spirits need to be cast out of them. And then there's some others who struggle still with their flesh and they need to be discipled. They need to be disciplined. Now, I know that when you talk about a subject like what I'm going to be talking about this morning, you really have two groups of people. C.S. Lewis identified these two groups of people. First of all, you have the skeptics. You have those people who, when you begin to talk about demonic spirits and demonic possession and things of that nature, that, that they're skeptical. And, and uh, you know, the Bible even tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, The Apostle Paul said that in the last days that there were going to be many who would be led away from the faith. And they would begin to follow seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And one of those doctrines of demons is that he is trying to convince people even in the body of Christ that there is no such thing as demonic spirits. That there is no such thing as demonic possession. So you've got your skeptics over here that when you talk about and say you're going to be preaching about deliverance from demonic spirits and evil spirits, they're like, Pastor, I think it'd be best if you just don't go there because it really stirs stuff up. And then you've got your superstitious people. You know, those are the people that when you talk about or say that you're going to be talking about deliverance, they're, they're the kind of people that says, yes, now he's getting to the good stuff. But the superstitious people can get a little bit out of line because they see a demon behind every bush. They they see a demon behind everything. But what I believe this morning is through the Word of God, and we're going to look at a number of scriptures today, but in the Word of God, God is going to bring balance to this area of our lives. We're even going to answer the question today. If you've ever had the question, we're going to answer the question, can a Christian be demonically possessed? 
going to answer that for you before you leave here this morning. But the first issue that I want to address as it comes to or relates to the miracle of deliverance is this. And that is, let's talk about this thing. Is there really such a thing as demons? And young people, listen, I really want you to tune in and focus in on me today. Because I believe that if there is a generation that the enemy is trying to lead away from the truth, amen, and cause them to follow doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. You know, uh, doctrines of demons, things like there's more than one way to God. Jesus is not the only way. Doc- doctrines of demons that, uh, that, that says it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you are sincere about what you believe. But, but listen to me, you can be sincerely wrong and end up in hell because you believed something sincerely that was not right and was contradictory to God's word. So I really want you to focus. I know we're going to look at a lot of scriptures today, and it might be easy for you to zone out on me. But I need you to stay focused. I need you to look at these scriptures. I need you to hear what the Word of God, not the opinion of man, but I need you to see what the Word of God says about this issue. Are there really such a thing as demons? Well, let let me just begin by sharing with you a few passages of scripture that give us the origin of demonic spirits and evil spirits. Now, before we look at some scripture, before you and I ever existed, before God created the heavens and the earth, God created angels. Some of those angels are called cherubs, some of those angels are called seraphims, but God created angels. And he had three archangels, Michael, Gabriel, and then another angel by the name of Lucifer. And Lucifer is the one that we're going to look at in scripture today whose heart became full of iniquity and his heart became full of pride and he rebelled against God and as a result of that, God cast him and a third of the demons out of heaven. Let me show you scripture that proves that, that I'm not just making that up. In Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, the prophet says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart. Now listen, he may not have verbally expressed it, but God knows the heart. And he said this, he said, you have said in your heart. Now look at these prideful statements that he makes. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And stars there is referring to other angels. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Now look at what he says. I will be like the most high. But notice what God tells him because of his prideful heart. God says, you shall be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. He thought that he could gain a position even above the one who created him, even above God, but God let him know real quick who God really is. And God cast him to the deepest pits of hell or cast him out of heaven into the earth. And then notice in Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 14 through 16, the prophet here says, you were the anointed cherub. A cherub being an angel who covers. I established you, God said. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. 
You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. Therefore, God said, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. And notice what he said. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. His beauty, his power, his influence went to his head, and he became prideful. And tried, as I said, to gain a position even above the one who created him. He said, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You became prideful. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. But here's what God said. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Look at this passage of scripture in Revelation 12, 3 and 4. This is John telling us what he saw in heaven. He said there was a sign alongside the first sign. He said there was a huge and fiery dragon. I don't have time to go into all the symbolisms of this, but the huge fiery dragon that he's talking about here is Satan. He said there was a huge fiery dragon. He said it had seven heads and ten horns. A on each of the seven heads and look at what Satan did with one flick of its tail it knocked a third of the stars from the sky and dumped them on the earth this is what happened when Satan along with a third of the angels of heaven fell because of their rebellion to God were cast out of heaven because of their rebellion to God and that is where demonic evil spirits come from. They are disembodied spirits and they are looking for bodies to possess. They are looking for bodies, not souls, not spirit. Yes, once they're in a person's body, they can then influence the soul. They can then influence the spirit. They can torment a person's mind. They can torment a person's emotions. They can control a person's will. But they are disembodied spirits. They are the angels who fail when God cast them out of heaven because of their rebellion. But can I give you just a little bit of good? news right here. The Bible says that a third of the angels failed. Do you know what that means? That means that there are still two-thirds of the angels left that are still worshiping and serving God. That means that for every demon against you, there's at least two angels of God that is for you. Somebody thank God for the angels of God. And let me tell you how powerful the angels of God are. In the end of time, when Jesus has Satan bound and thrown into hell, the Bible says that he calls for just one of his angels. Just one of his angels. And he looks at that angel and says, come over here, bind Satan up and throw him into hell. That's how powerful the angels of God are. Amen. Second Peter tells us this in Second Peter 2 and 4. It says, God did not spare the angels who sinned, but he cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, are they bound or are they free? Was a lot of people, a lot of theologians believe that Peter is talking about what is still yet to happen. But 
there are also another, there's also another argument that some of the third of the angels have already been cast into hell by God in chains of darkness being reserved for judgment. And a lot of people believe that the angels that God has already sentenced to hell, put in chains of darkness, reserved for judgment, were those fallen angels who had sexual, I know this is, I know this gets crazy who had sexual relations with the women, human women who were here on the earth. And a lot of people believe that out of those relationships came the giants that were in the land. And that God has punished that group of angels, cast them into hell. I personally believe that Peter is still talking about a day that is yet to come. When all of these fallen angels, they are going to be delivered into chains of darkness to be reserved in judgment by the Lord. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians 6 and 12. I want you to really get a hold of this. I know you've heard this passage of Scripture over and over again, but as it relates to the question, do demons really exist? Paul said that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. I want you to look at your neighbor right now look at somebody around you and say you are not my problem <laughs> we are not fighting against one another this is not a flesh and blood physical battle that we are in as children of God it is a spiritual battle that's why he said but it is against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You go back and read the story of Daniel. When Daniel was praying about a specific issue and he prayed and he fasted for 21 days for an answer to his prayer. And when the answer finally got to him through an angel of God, the angel said to Daniel, from the first day that you prayed, God heard your prayer. But the prince over Persia, the prince and the powers over Persia, they were hindering the answer of your prayer from getting from heaven to earth where you are. Demonic, evil spirits in the heavenly. So listen, if you've asked God for something and there is a delay, you haven't received it yet. Let me tell you something, friend. You could be in a spiritual battle this morning. And the only thing that's going to break the heavens open is as you continue to pray, and as you continue to fast so that the answer of God can come into your life. Amen? Are there demons? Now, I know that's a question you think you don't have to ask in church, but more and more Christians don't believe it. Yes, there are demons. They are identified a number of different ways in Scripture. They're, they're identified as an unclean spirit. They're identified as wicked spirits. They're identified as evil spirits. One time Jesus prayed for a woman and told her that she had a spirit of infirmity. So sickness and disease can be a spirit. Paul said God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Are there really demons? Yes, there are really demons. Yes, there are really demonic spirits. Yes, there really are unclean, wicked, evil spirits. But the next question is this, do they really enter people? Yes, they really do enter people. 
who have opened a door and granted them access in their lives. Listen to what the scripture says, Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 32. As they went out, behold, they brought to Jesus a man mute and demon-possessed. So yes, they really can enter people. And and really the best example that we have of this is in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, follow along it's a it's an incredible story in scripture about this issue that we're talking about this morning in mark chapter 5 verse 1 it says that jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea to the country of the gadarenes now you know where i'm going the demoniac of gadara And notice it says, when he had come out of the boat that is jesus when jesus had come out of the boat immediately There met him out of the tombs because this man is living in a graveyard. He's living in a cemetery. He is as good as dead in the eyes of people. And immediately there met Jesus out of the tombs, a man, look at this, with an unclean spirit. That's just another word for demonic spirits, evil, wicked spirits. And notice what happens in verse 3. He had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. This is the way the world tries to deal with this issue. Are you listening to me? We bind them up further rather than helping them find deliverance and freedom. We may even call them crazy. But many times it could be a demonic, evil, wicked spirit that has taken control of them. And notice, he is so physically strong because of these demons that have possessed him. He is so strong that they could not bind him even with chains. Because even when they would bind him with chains and shackles, he would just break loose from those things. Now listen, if you've never dealt with this personally then you probably can't really comprehend what this passage of Scripture is talking about. I have prayed with people before who were so demonically possessed that it literally took several grown, strong men to keep and gain control of them. Pastor Mark Correll, some of you who know know who Pastor Mark Correll was that pastored out at Cathedral of the Cross for a while and now is an evangelist. When we were pastoring out at Leeds, came and helped us with some deliverance ministry that we had going on there. And he shared with me about a young lady. He said she probably didn't weigh hardly a hundred pounds. But he said she was so demonically possessed that when we began to pray for her, that she broke loose from us, ran her hand through a sheetrock wall, grabbed a two-by-four, ripped it out, and started swinging it at us. This is real stuff, folks. I know you think it's just in the movies. But it's not. And you better watch out for those movies because who's ever making those movies has already opened themselves up to demonic power and influence in their lives. Because that's the only way they can know unless they have been raised and seen it for themselves in a church service. Physical strength. And the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of fear in this house right now. 
Do you hear me? I rebuke the spirit of fear in this room right now. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and the same and, and a sound mind. And I plead the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus will never lose its power. And the blood of Jesus is powerful in this house this morning. Amen. It says always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. Listen to me if you have an issue cutting yourself. It could be a, I'm not saying that it is, but it could be a spiritual bondage and issue in your life. Don't you ever think for one minute that the enemy comes into your life to bless you. Or to do something good in your life. John 10 and 10 says that the thief comes only. He doesn't come for any other reason except. That's exactly the way the scripture says. No other reason except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what he's been doing to this man for years. But notice when he saw Jesus from afar. He ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice. Now listen, this is not the man talking now, okay? This is that demonic spirit speaking through the man. And again, if you've not experienced it, you can't imagine it. But it's the most hideous, hellish voice that you could ever imagine to hear. And he cried out this spirit on the inside of this man with a loud voice and said, What have I have to do with you, Jesus? Son, of the Most High God. Can I tell you, even the demons in hell know who Jesus is. Oh, hallelujah. They know the Bible says they know and they believe and they tremble at the name of Jesus. My goodness. They said, what have we to do with you, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. You see, they, they also knew the authority and the power that Jesus had. And it, for, for Jesus had already said to this man, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And notice what happened. Then he asked the man, Jesus asked the man, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion. For we, everybody say we. we. You see, not only can they enter people, but a lot of them can enter one person. That has opened the door to them. That word legion means 6,824. It was a troop. It was a Roman troop of soldiers. A number that represented more than 6,000 soldiers. And he said, my name is Legion. There's a lot of us in here. Look at your neighbor and say, this boy is demonized. <laughs> my name is Legion for we are many. Also, this demon begged Jesus earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Because you see, once he's established a stronghold in somebody's life, or once he's established a stronghold in a family, or in a territory, he doesn't want to let go. He doesn't want to lose his territory. And so he said to him, please, don't send us out of this country. Now, a large herd of swine or pigs was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons begged Jesus, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. You see, they're disembodied spirits. If they come out of one, they're immediately looking for another body. 
that they can inhabit, another body that they can possess. And notice they said, if you send us out of this man, hey, let us at least go into the swine, which proves my theory that animals can be demon-possessed. Especially cats. You knew I was going there. Notice the story continues. Verse 13, at once, Jesus gave them permission. You do know that before the enemy can do anything in your life, that he has to have permission from God. You remember when he brought Peter in and he said, Peter, he said, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. He's come asking permission to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed and I'm going to continue to pray for you. You remember the whole story of Job. Satan had to come before Job and get permission before he could do anything to Job. And once Jesus gave them permission, then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. Look at this. There were about 2,000. So you know what that tells me? It tells me there were at least 2,000 demons in this man. Because there were 2,000 pigs that would destroy themselves once they were possessed by these evil spirits. It said that the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Why? Because he comes for no other reason except to steal and to kill and to destroy. The moment he gets in your life, he begins his work to take you out. So those who fed the swine fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Some of these folks that, that witnessed what had just happened, they went and told other folks what they had just seen. And then those folks came. And, and they came to Jesus. And they saw the one, <laughs> I like this, who had been. Aren't you thankful this morning that you're a has-been? <laughs> that you're not who you used to be. <laughs> He said that the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion, he said they were, he was now sitting and clothed and in his right mind, which tells us that he can affect the soul, the mind of human beings. And they, those who had witnessed the miracle, they were afraid when they saw a demonstration of the supernatural power of God. Do you know how you can empty a church building pretty quick if a demon possessed person came forward for prayer and started manifesting because a lot of folks even believers don't know how to handle that they don't know how to receive that they don't know how to deal with that I better get out of here because if he comes out of them he might want to come in me that's the way a lot of believers think bad theology but that's the way a lot of people think but they were afraid and those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, that just does not make a lick of sense to me. You would think they would say, listen, Jesus, stay with us a few days. Do a seminar for us on how to cast out demons. Because this man been bound for years. You come into town and suddenly he's completely set free. But what are they saying? We want you to leave town. And look, and he got into a boat. He who had been, let me, let me back up here for just a moment. They began to plead with him to depart their region. And, and when Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him 
that he might go with him. Now, if Jesus had just done something that miraculous in your life, delivered this man, you, you would want to walk with him too. You want to hop in the boat with him too. You want to go wherever Jesus goes. But, but notice now it says, however, Jesus didn't permit him. But he said to him, I want you now to go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Because you see, when God does a miracle in your life, you need to tell others. You need to tell others what God has done. If God healed you last Sunday in this healing service, you need to tell somebody. You need to testify. You need, you need to do it so that other people's faith can be increased and, and so that other people, their, their hope can come alive. But he said, I want you to go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had compassion on you. You remember what I said last week, the thing that motivated Jesus to save, to heal, to deliver was his heart of compassion. Do we have that much compassion? Is our compassion motivating, inspiring us to want to see people saved, to want to see people healed, to want to see people delivered, set free for the glory of God? And it says that when Jesus departed or when the man that was had been demon-possessed, departed, and began to proclaim. He began to proclaim in Decapolis. Decapolis is, is deca. It's the word we get decade from. It means ten. Apolis is the word that we get metropolis from. So it's a, an area of ten cities. Gadara was one of those cities. Uh, Damascus was one of those cities. And, and, and Jesus said to him, he said, I want you to go and tell him. So what does he do? He goes into the Decapolis. He goes into ten different communities, into ten different towns, telling all of these people in those communities and understanding now the reason they had pigs to begin with they were not Jewish people because Jewish people didn't eat pork Jewish people didn't have pigs they were Greeks and so that's why they had their pigs and Jesus is trying to do a work here he's trying to establish and begin his ministry among the Greeks and he said so here's what I want you to do because before he's told everybody else don't tell anybody what I did today in your life don't share this with anybody keep it quiet keep it on the down low but this time he says I want you to go throughout all of these Greek towns and all of these Greek cities and I want you to tell them that you have met one today who had the power and the authority to set you free completely. Amen. Which brings me to this question, can a Christian, can a believer, a blood-bought child of God be demonically possessed? Well, we have to understand what the word possess means. And really the original Greek word, daimonizomai, has two different meanings to it. It can mean ownership. And let's face it, the enemy had ownership of this guy right here. He completely possessed him. He had complete control of his mind, his will, his emotions, his body. He had complete control. But the word ownership doesn't, or the word possessed doesn't always mean ownership. It can also mean to gain mastery over or control over. Now, when you think about that and you ask yourself, can, can believers be demon, demonically possessed? Not in the sense that Satan owns you, but yes, in the sense that you can open a door in your life and give him control over an area of your life. Allow him to be the master over an area of your life. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, thank God that's not me. Listen to me. The only way you can ever get free from the control and the mastery of the enemy is to admit in the first place that you're in bondage. In John chapter 8, 
Jesus looks at a group of Jewish people who believed on him and he said to those Jews who believed on him, he said, if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And do you know what these Jewish believers said to Jesus? Why are you telling us that? We've never been in bondage. Really? What about those, those years that you were in bondage to Egypt? What about all those years that you were in bondage to Babylon? And right now, you're in bondage to Rome. You see, they could not be free indeed because they did not indeed admit that they were in bondage to begin with. I know what some people say. Listen, listen, hear me this morning. If there's an area of your life that you just continue to struggle with and struggle with and struggle with and you've taken it to God and you've asked God to forgive you and you've said, God, I'm never going to do this again and then you go right back and you do it again and you just keep doing it over and over. God, I'm not going to do this anymore. God, help me to overcome this. But you just keep going back to that thing or that thing just keeps having control over your life. Listen to me. Wake up! Oh, but pastor, I'm just weak. It's just my flesh. No, not if you've been dealing with this thing for 20 years. This is a stronghold that the enemy has in your life. This is a bondage that the enemy has in your life. You've allowed him to take control in an area of your life. And you cannot be set free until you can come clean with the fact, I am in bondage. And I need to be set free. And here's the good news. The good news is Jesus really does. He really does cast demonic evil spirits out. Look in Matthew 8, 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. It don't take much when Jesus speaks for those chains to fall in your life, for those bondages to be gone in your life. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Matthew chapter 9 says that they went out, and behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon possessed and when the demon was cast out the mute spoke here in Matthew chapter 17 a father brings his son to the disciples of Jesus because he's been having seizures and throwing himself into the fire it was a demonic spirit and the disciples prayed for him but couldn't get the spirit out and so he comes to Jesus and he said I went to your disciples first but they couldn't help me and Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief he rebukes them for their lack of faith but then Jesus looked at that boy and he rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. I'm telling you we serve a Jesus. I'm telling you we serve a Savior. I'm telling you we serve a deliverer this morning that can set you free. Oh yes he can do it. Yes he can do it. You don't have to stay in bondage. You don't have to be held captive. You can be free this morning because of Jesus. Amen. But it doesn't stop there. Guys, y'all go ahead and come and get ready to help me close this morning. That not only did Jesus have the power to cast out demons, but listen to what he said to his 12 disciples. It says that he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. These are his 12 disciples. And look at verse 12 and 13 of Mark 6. It said, so these 12 went out and preached that people should repent and they 
cast out many demons and anointed them with oil who were sick and they were healed. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 10 verses 17 through 21. Now we've gone from the 12. Now he's got a big group of 70 disciples and he says to the 70 the same that he did to the 12 and the 70 returned with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name. Even the demons have to submit to us in your name and he said to them I saw Satan fall like lightning man the moment that he tried to usurp authority against God the moment that he had iniquity in his heart God immediately cast him out of heaven and he said I was there when it happened and I guess I ought to know because he said I saw him fall like lightning that's how quickly it happened amen and then he said this to the 70 he said behold I give you the authority everybody say authority he said I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven yeah it's an awesome thing that demonic spirits are subject to us but let me tell you something that's more awesome you're saved amen your names are written down in the Lamb's book of life you've been bought by the blood of Jesus and empowered by the Holy Ghost somebody give God some praise here this morning hallelujah hallelujah amen he said it to the 12 he said it to the 70 what about us and these signs will follow those who believe now he's talking about all of us in my name they will cast out demons you have the authority as a follower of Jesus Christ but I'm not ordained you don't have to be ordained you just got to be a follower of Jesus a disciple of Jesus and he's given you the authority to use the power of his name and when you do even demons have to submit not because of who you are but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done now that demoniac said I got a legion over 6,000 perhaps demons that was in that man had such control that when they would try to bind him he would break the chains and the shackles but I want you to notice that when he saw Jesus he ran and worshipped him and here's what I want you to hear this morning I really don't see anybody as bound as this guy was because everybody here got your clothes on this guy didn't but listen it doesn't matter how many demons it doesn't matter all of hell can be coming against you to try to bind you but listen to me there ain't enough devils in hell that can stop you from coming to Jesus this morning this man right here was demon possessed over 6,000 perhaps demons in him but that still wasn't enough that when he saw Jesus they couldn't stop him from coming to Jesus and the only thing that can stop you from coming to Jesus this morning is you 
your pride. Because you can't be free indeed until you can admit that I am indeed in bondage today. Maybe not the sense that you are owned by the devil, but you've opened some doors in your life and you've given him some control. And maybe in some areas of your life, you're under the influence of demonic spirits. And listen to me, it will never break, it will never stop until you come to Jesus. And listen, not only that, in the Old Testament Passover, they had to put the blood on the door lentils. And when they put the door, when they applied the blood, then the angel would pass by. But listen, they didn't just, he didn't just tell them, put the blood on the door lentil. He also told them this, shut the door. He said, take your family inside, shut the door. So yes, the blood is applied, but have you shut the door to the enemy? in your life. Don't give him access. I know I've gone a little bit long this morning, but I'm going to ask you to stand with me all over this sanctuary right now. I've asked the team to come back and to sing more about the blood of Jesus. And here, listen, this is all I'm going to ask you to do this morning because that's all that the demoniac of Gadara did. He just came and he bowed and he knelt before Jesus. He worshiped. And I believe that this morning your deliverance, your freedom today is connected to your worship. Please, in this moment, don't be more concerned about getting to the restaurant than you are about what Jesus wants to do in your life right now. Don't be more worried about trying to get home or trying to get to your nap or what God in this moment wants to do something miraculous and powerful in this place. Oh, but you got to let him. You've got to come and you've got to bow before him. And you've got to surrender control to him. You've got to worship him. You've got to say, Jesus, I've tried in and of myself to break this thing in my life. And I'm not strong enough. I'm not strong enough to break it. I'm not strong enough to stay away from it. Jesus, I need your help. Jesus, I need your presence. Jesus, I need your power. Come on, these altars are open this morning. I'm asking you just to come and kneel. Just like the demoniac of Gadara did. He saw Jesus and he ran and he bowed before Jesus and said, Lord, I know, I know you can help me. Nobody else can help me, but I know you can help me. Others have bound me up even further, but Jesus, I know that you can help me today. I know that you can set me free today. Come on. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. We believe that pigs do fly and we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.